Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. Welcome to Omega Man Radio Network. Today's live program, and I'm going to be welcoming back a special friend, Benjamin Brook. We're going to be searching the scriptures together today, and um, the title for today is called Slackers. You're going to learn the meaning of that here shortly. Stand by. Let's get Benjamin on the line. Benjamin, how are you? I'm good, brother. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. Do a sound check here. Can you hear me on this microphone? I hear you loud and clear. Yeah, you're good. Praise the Lord. Benjamin? Hallelujah. Let me give you the microphone, brother. Would you like to open up in prayer tonight? Ah, Yes, indeed. Heavenly Father, we exalt you, Lord. We exalt you, Father. We enter your gates with thanksgiving. We enter your courts with praise. And we come in the name that is above every name the name of your Son and our Lord and our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Emmanuel, God with us. Father, we ask for your blessing. We ask that your anointing, you would pour out the the latter-day rain, the living water, Father, upon this radio program, upon us and upon every listener, that every heart, Lord, could receive and understand, that every eye could perceive, every ear would be able to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the churches. Lord, turn us and we shall be turned, for we look to you, Father, and we ask you, give us this day our daily bread, give us a portion this day, Father, of the living manna, which is the life the resurrection life and body of Jesus Christ that comes down out of heaven, that is food, that is true food unto our soul and our spirit man. Grant us to drink of the living water, Father, that we might not thirst. Pour out living water on the parched ground, Lord, that we might be refreshed and renewed by the washing of your word. So that we give this 
time to you, Lord. We, we dedicate it to you. We ask that you would put your hand upon us now and that your will and your will alone would be done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, brother. The microphone is yours, Benjamin. Well, Shannon, God bless you, brother. It's good to be... Uh, Ah, it's good to be back. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It's Amen. good to be in the Word of the Lord. It is good to have the Word of the Lord abiding in you in this hour. I'll tell you, it's an hour where there's just such a famine of the true words of God in this land. And yet, uh, in, the, in the house of the Lord, there remains bread for the children. There remains living manna from heaven for those who are willing to seek it. You know, brother, I was um, I was in prayer before um, before the show, and I went into my little prayer closet and I was just crying out to the Lord and looking to our Father and looking to my God and then asking the Lord for the utterance by His Spirit because you know the flesh profits nothing. You know, the flesh will profit us nothing. There's a little strength in the flesh, and, you know, we can do a little. But in the end, it profits nothing. And so we're looking to the Spirit. And, I, you know, I open the Word. I open the Word, and, and I open to the book of Isaiah. And, and just, I started looking at, at the Word of God, and, and things were just, I'm telling you, the Spirit is trumpeting truth in this hour. I can't open the book without the trumpet sounding. And um, I'm crying out, you know, and, and I was actually thinking as, um, you know, I really had a burden on my heart to, to uh, lay a foundation in this program. And, and we're going to do that. You know, we're going to talk about the foundation that's, that the righteous lay, and we're going to talk about the, the foolish foundation that the the sluggard, the slackers, built upon. And and because it's important that we lay the right foundation as we go forward, but I was just marveling at the revelation coming out of the book of Isaiah, and I'm thinking, Shannon, we might need to do um, more than just one show a week. i, I got to get this word from Isaiah out. i got to get this out. I mean, this is what the Lord is speaking to me out of the book of Isaiah in this hour is, I'm, I'm astonished. Preach it, brother. I am astonished. I mean, the word is alive. We are in this time where this word has come forth in fire, and it's alive. But first, I want to I want to lay that foundation. I want to lay that foundation, and so we're going to go. Uh, you know, wisdom's justified by her children. Wisdom is justified. Wisdom is verified. Wisdom is confirmed by the fruit that follows it. And so we're going to deal with some wisdom today. And um, because it is really important that we understand each other. And, uh, and by that, what I mean to say is it's really important that we all understand the Lord in this hour. We need to get it good what he's saying to us. We don't have the luxury of missing the Lord at this time. We have to be on the same page that the Lord is on. And 
this page, it starts with the fear of the Lord. We need to comprehend the fear of the Lord as He would teach it, not as men have taught. You know, this, the Scripture says that the, the, they fear me based on the teachings of men, and it's not the fear of the Lord at all. Recently, the Lord said to me, Do you fear me now? And I can tell you from the judgments and, and the rod of discipline that the Lord has brought into my life, I truly fear the Lord. I said, Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I do. And the Lord answered and said, Good. Now we understand each other. And I marveled at that. I thought, Wow. Now I understand. The Lord is very serious in this hour, friends. This is not an hour to be a hearer of the word. This is an hour to be a doer of the word. This is not an hour to just be listening and then forgetting. This is an hour to let the word of God change our hearts, change our lives. And to that end, I want to I talk about the slackers. Because we live in a society full of them. We live in a time of the slothful man. And the slacker and the slothful ones, this is also a spiritual condition. What the scripture speaks in the word of God to the natural, it also speaks to the spirit of man. And we have a responsibility on how we handle the Word of God, and how we respond to the commandments and the instructions of the Lord. And if we don't respond properly, we, we actually bring judgment into our lives. And so that's what I want to touch on at the beginning of tonight's uh, teaching. The word slacker is found in the Hebrew, and it means... In Hebrew, it's pronounced Rimiyah. And it means the slothful man, the idle man. It translates lazy, slothful, slack. It also translates deceitful and treachery and falsehood. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 he becomes poor that deals with a slack hand. The hand of the slacker will bring poverty, not only in the natural, but in the spirit. And isn't that a picture of the church today, that it's in spiritual poverty? It's because the church is full of slackers. We're going to see as we, as we expand through the scripture what, the word means, what the word's talking about, that this is the Laodicean church. It's a congregation of slackers. Proverbs 10, 4. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. The hand of the slacker brings poverty. And the hand of the diligent brings prosperity. And the word for diligent is karuts. It means incisive. Gold. It's also translated as gold that is mined, a threshing edge with sharp teeth. The hand of those who have sharp teeth in their threshing instrument 
brings prosperity. It also means eager, the hand of the eager, the hand of the determined, the hand of those that are sharp, incisive, penetrating. Incisive is defined as penetrating. An acute observer, the hand of those who study the Word of God acutely and in a penetrating way. It also translates or is defined as icy, knife-like reasoning. Intense, sharp, a penetrating insight, piercing, keen discernment, the ability to perceive, suitable for cutting, separating the clean from the unclean, separating truth from error, separating the will of God from the imaginations of men, cutting, accurate, sharply focused, clear thinking, impressively direct. These are the attributes of the diligent. And if you've got these attributes spiritually, you are going to prosper in the kingdom. You're going to bring forth much fruit. But the slacker, which is also translated slothful, it is not so with the slacker. They are disinclined to work. They are disinclined to exert the effort necessary to develop keen discernment or accurate and sharply focused thinking. This takes too much effort. The slothful are defined as lazy, shiftless, idle youth. Inactive, do-nothing, sluggish, good-for-nothing, indolent, adverse to any effort or activity, habitually lazy persons, lacking effort or movement, deadbeats, idlers, loafers, and slugs. And to be slack is to not use due diligence or adequate care. To lack energy. Low speed. Taking it easy. Lacking activity. Dull. Lacking competence. Lacking perfection. Negligent in their duties. Lukewarm in commitment. These are the slackers. They're just on easy street. They're just taking it as it comes. Don't want to get too serious. This lackadaisical, slacking attitude has been misunderstood and falsely defined as faith. It is not faith. It is foolishness. The slacker will not even get up in the morning to confront the enemy. He calls it faith. Well, I'm just trusting the Lord. No, you're just lazy and inactive. The Davids that are going forth to confront the Goliaths on the battlefield, they are the ones that are trusting the Lord. Because they're not coming back alive without the Lord coming through. But the slacker, no, they stay home and 
they're afraid to even venture out of the house half the time. To the diligent belongs the kingdom. To the slacker belongs the condemnation of the king. Proverbs 22, verse 29. See thou a man diligent in his affairs? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before common men. The diligent, the ones that are incisive, that are penetrating, that have sharp discernment, that are clear thinking and impressively direct, they stand before kings. Because their work, all of their deeds are in perfection. See a man diligent in the scripture, in the admonitions of the scripture, he shall stand before the king of kings to minister on behalf of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. The scripture says that as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke in the eyes, so the slacker is to him that sends him. Matthew Henry comments, those that are of the slothful disposition, they love their ease and therefore cannot apply their mind to any business and are not fit to be employed. They're not fit unto any duties. No, not so much as even to be sent on an errand, for they will neither deliver a message on a timely matter with any care, nor will they make any haste in coming back. Those that are guilty of such a great oversight as to entrust any such with any affair or put any confidence in such people will certainly have vexation brought upon them. The slacker cannot be trusted to do anything. He's utterly untrustworthy. His yes does not mean yes. He does not attend diligently to the condition of his flock. He just is taking it as it comes. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. And the Hebrew word for bear rule is mashal, and it means to rule, to have the dominion, to reign, to walk in power. The hand of the diligent shall be full of the power of the Lord, but the slothful will be under tribute. The word for tribute is masmis, and it means a burden, a tax in the form of forced labor, to be discomfited. The hand of the slothful shall be burdened under forced labor. Ao, in the spirit world, we are told, to him who overcomes, they will be given the authority to sit on thrones and rule with the Lord. They'll rule in his power. Those are the diligent. Those that overcome are the ones that are diligent in following the commandment of the Lord. The slothful, though, you know, they could take it or leave it, and if it requires much work, they're going to leave it. Well, we're going to find out tonight that overcoming in this battle that is upon us is definitely going to require some work and some effort, and the sluggards and the slothful need not apply they will not apply. But they will be under the tribute. 
They will not have the dominion spiritually. They will not have the anointing. They're the foolish virgins without the oil. They didn't bother to get any oil. It took too much effort. They were not willing to go to the trouble to keep their lamps full. And so they awaken at the sound of the bridegroom, but they have no oil, they have no light. And they expect it to be just given to them, but it is not given. He that has been faithful in a few things shall be made ruler over many. If you're diligent in the small things the Lord gives you to do, if you're faithful and diligent and you exercise them to the fullest of your ability, you will be given authority over many things. But to the slothful, that is the way to slavery. Those that are careless, and the word really translates deceitful because they're deceiving themselves. They will come under the rule of a harsh master. And in the spirit, they're under the rule of Satan. They've not driven out the enemy. They've not kept the wall in their hearts. They've not kept the covenant. They've just kind of in lax. You know, what does it matter? Why is that important? To them, it's not. And so they don't have. They lack. And they fall under the dominion. They're compromised. Because it's too much effort for them. To stand. These are the careless ones. They won't go to the pain and the, and the agony of striving to enter through the narrow way. No. They just go the easy way. You find them on the broad way, the wide road that leads to destruction. Not only will the slothful walk in poverty in the natural all of their days, but they walk in poverty in the spirit as well. And no doubt we've all met those of this company. And they'll tell you they're under a curse of poverty. Nigh. They curse themselves by their disobedience to the commandments of the Lord. Those that are diligent and hardworking and truthful when they approach their ministry, when they approach their occupation, when they approach any matter, they approach it with all their might, all of their heart, but not the slacker. No, they must be servants to the wise because they themselves will never attend fully to any matter, be it in this natural world or in the kingdom that is coming. Proverbs 12:27 The slothful man roasts not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of the diligent is precious. The slothful man looks to cook for dinner what someone else caught hunting. He's too lazy to hunt for himself, expecting others to feed him. And also in the spirit, too lazy to do the work necessary to break through, too lazy to study the scripture as a Berean, too lazy to labor in prayer and fasting. It's just so much easier to sit on the television, 
sit on your couches of luxury, laying around, turn on the TV images of Babylon and lays away your days. The way of the slothful man is hedged with thorns, we read in Proverbs 15, verse 19. But the way of the righteous is made plain. And the word slothful in this uh, scripture is the indolent ones who are slow to mature, slow to develop, adverse to every effort, lazy, inclined to laziness. The scripture contrasts slothful with righteous. On one hand, you've got the righteous, and their way is made plain. And that word for plain is selah. And it means to exalt, to be lifted up, to be raised up. The way of the righteous is exalted because they're walking in God's way. But the way that is opposite of the righteous is the slothful. The Lord takes our labor seriously. Proverbs 18. He that is slothful in his work is a brother to him that is a great waster. Slothful faint. In this scripture, in Proverbs 18, verse 9, the word slothful means rafa, and it means to slacken, to fall, to faint, to forsake, to idle, to leave, to let alone, to be slothful. He that faints in his work, he that forsakes his work, he that leaves his work, he is Brother to him that is a great waster. And the word waster is mashith. It means destructive, corruption, to destroy, to trap utterly. And the word for brother means kin. The slothful man is the same as the destroyer. This is a serious issue. The desire of the slothful man kills him. For his hands refuse to labor. Proverbs twenty one twenty five. His desire is to take it easy. He's always looking for the way out of work. Looking for the easy way to avoid the burden given unto him from the Lord. And that desire is killing him. The misery of the slothful man, whose hands refuse to labor. He is an enemy to himself. His desire is impetuous and insatiable. He covets greedily all the day long, crying, give, give, give me, expecting everybody and anybody to do what they should do for themselves though they will do nothing for themselves, much less for anybody else. Those that are slothful in the affairs of their souls yet have desire towards that which would be the happiness of their soul. This desire kills them. It aggravates their condemnation and is a witness against them that they were convinced of the worth of spiritual blessings they understood the value of spiritual blessings, but they refused to be subject to the pain that is necessary to the obtaining of 
such blessings. See, brothers and sisters in the kingdom, we have to do the work. Yes, we were saved by grace. Yes. God forgiving us our sin and counting our sin as judged in the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross was unmerited favor and grace. And that opens the door for us to be restored in covenant with the Lord. But now that we've come into the covenant, now the Lord commands us to work, to labor, to pick up our cross. We are told that they that believe shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These signs and wonders follow the work of the true believer. And the slothful have nothing to do in this matter. But we live in a slothful hour, a slothful age. Those that are slothful in the affairs of the Spirit are actually bringing judgment upon themselves. The righteous, the diligent ones, spiritually, are industrious. They seek, they knock, they ask, and they find their desire satisfied. They cry out to the Father night and day in prayer and in fasting and in diligently studying the Word. And not only for their own good and blessing, but they stand in the gap for others. They're willing to lay their lives down for their friends and their families. Whereas the slothful are only willing to receive. They're not even willing to do the work for their own blessing, let alone stand in the gap for another. Proverbs 22. The slothful man says, there's a lion in the street. I'll be slain in the streets. Always an excuse. Well, brother, I can't. You know, I can't do that. You know, I can't. I can't pray with you for an hour. I can't fast. I, you know, I can't pray for the babies being murdered in America. I can't pray for my own babies. I can't. I won't. Slothful man is always full of an excuse. Proverbs 24, verse 30, Solomon writes, I walked by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. You know, our heart and our life is a field. It's a vineyard. And the man who is void of understanding, you can witness this by just looking at the field that is his life and his heart. The word for void means lacking, destitute, failing. The man whose understanding failed, who is destitute in understanding. And the word for understanding is lieb, and it actually translates in the heart. 
the feelings, the will, even the intellect, to care for, to be courageous, to be a friend, to have understanding, to be willing, to have wisdom. I walked by the field of those who were utterly lacking courage, utterly lacking any concern for their friends, utterly lacking any wisdom, those who were destitute of feelings and who had no heart. And lo, Proverbs twenty-four thirty-one, and behold, their field was grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof. And the stone wall was broken down. And I saw the desolation. And I considered it well. And I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep and a little slumber. A little folding of the hands. Sleep, and so shall your poverty come as one that travels, and your want as an armed man. Our souls are fields and vineyards, which every one of us is to take care of and to keep, and they are capable of being improved with good care and good husbandry. We can remove the stones. We can restore the hedge. We can pull the weeds and the roots of bitterness out. Or we can ignore them and let them fall into disrepair. We are charged to occupy and to mend and to tend to the field of our own heart until our Lord comes. And with great care and pain, we are required to attend to the matters of our own hearts. But these fields and vineyards that represent the hearts in men are often in a very bad state. Not only is there no fruit coming out of these fields, but for many, their hearts are overgrown with thorns and briars. The thorns and the briars represent the inordinate lust, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the spirit of covetousness and sensuality, the lasciviousness of this hour, malice and bitterness, all of which are the thorns and nettles that are like wild grapes. And this is the normal crop of weeds that the unsanctified heart produces. Your heart is like a garden. If you plant a garden and then you do not tend to that garden, you just kind of take a slothful attitude, you fold your hands for a little sleep, you will find that garden full of weeds, choking out the true crop that would have produced real fruit. And all you will get is thorns. In the field of the slothful, 
there is also no guard kept against the enemy. The stone wall that was to be the hedge against the onslaught of the enemy is broken down. And the field and the vineyard lie exposed and open to enemy occupation. Isn't that a picture, Shannon, of the church? Amen. Unfruitful. And the scripture tells us, you know, that in, uh, I think it's Micah 7, where it says, the best of them is a thorn hedge. We, as a people, have watched the wall fall down, not only in the nation, but within the church, within the families, and and the thorns and the briars have overrun many, many places. You know, Benjamin, in, um, in Wichita, Kansas alone, there's reported 600 churches there, and they still have people sleeping under bridges and dying as we speak. Because the churches uh, don't want to do anything. They're, they don't want to go out there and obey the Great Commission, feed the poor, preach the gospel, minister to the needs, visit the infirm. They're just happy uh, visiting church once a week, grab a Starbucks on the way, and then go home and worship the God of sports Sunday afternoon. Let me give it back to you. Yeah, well, we live in a generation of people that are hearers of the Word. American Christianity is a religion of hearing and learning about the Bible. But that's where it stops for the majority. They are hearers only. And they consider, if they do anything at all, what they do is they they argue about the Bible with each other. They debate and they argue. But they don't do the works of the kingdom. They're just ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. The stone wall that's broken down was supposed to be the hedge that protects us from the enemy. Once it's down, you can see the effect of the curse upon the ground in the hearts of the many. And it is with great effort that you have to recover this ground. The slothful will never recover that lost ground you've got to be diligent if you've ever had a garden overrun with weeds how intensely do you have to go after that ground in order to actually get the weeds out and uh, where I live um, I live in the country and I've got a garden and there's a weed that's come it's not from this area and I think they call it Vine weed. I mean, this is a nasty weed. This weed puts roots out 20 feet sideways under the ground. It is almost impossible to eradicate this weed because it sows its own seeds into the ground. And this weed chokes everything. It, it wraps like a vine, like a serpent vine, or it'll wrap around all of your produce, it'll kill all your crops. This weed got onto my land about two years ago, and I've got neighbors who've got the weed, and they said there's nothing we can do. This weed just will overrun us, and eventually it'll die off. So they did not try to stop it, and their land got covered. Me, I don't give up so much. They said, I don't care. I'm going to stop this weed. 
don't tell me it's impossible. Well, it took a lot of effort. I'll tell you that much. I'm pouring boiling water on this weed. I'm digging up this weed. I'm hiring kids to help me pull this weed. I'm doing everything to eradicate this weed. I do not have this weed in my garden. And it didn't come because I was lackadaisical. I was able to pull this weed out because of intense commitment. And that's how it is with our hearts, too, brothers and sisters. There are some intense weeds that have been sown in this last hour. There is some intense deception that's been sown. we got to be diligent to pull this stuff out of our lives. And the slothful simply will not. There is a great difference between the actions and the commitment of one group that is slothful to the other group that is diligent, the group that is righteous. The difference witnesses itself, Shannon, in the management of their natural affairs. One group is is diligent and does well. All things they undertake, they undertake to do them well. And the others sort of, you know, they're not willing to go to the same level of effort. And by their lack of commitment, they proclaim their slothfulness. It manifests. Its effect manifests in everything they do. And those that pass by, that look upon them, you can tell their homes in disrepair, their, you know, it's just evident in all the dimensions of their life. And here Solomon in Proverbs is saying, I passed by the garden of the slothful man, and I looked and I received instruction. You know, we, we know that the wise men can profit more than the fools. Because wise men can learn from fools. A wise man can look at the garden of a fool and say, oh, I don't want my garden looking like that. But a fool cannot look at the garden of the wise and learn from it. The fool will look at the garden of the wise and say, wow, you're really fortunate that weeds don't grow in your garden. And they'll call it good fortune. Or they'll say, well, you know, you were just blessed to the Lord. I've got a spirit of poverty on my life. Pray for me, brother. No, what you've got is the attitude of a sluggard. Those of us that Preaching. are prospering spiritually are doing so out of hard labor. Yeah, go ahead, Shine. No, no, I said preach it, brother. It's the truth. You know, I know, um, I've seen this in the body where you've got people that are simply not responsible. They're not responsible in the natural. They're not responsible in the spirit. People that are struggling and finally they get a job and and they quit. You know, they, they're they're in desperate shape financially. And what was wrong? Oh, that job was too hard. My feet hurt, or you know, I had to get up too early, or. I marvel, you know, and then and then they're in poverty. I marvel. And those that are that have been blessed and that have prospered, they worked when it hurt. 
They got up early. They did whatever it takes. The same is true in the spirit in this hour. You got one group, you know, I just, I'm sorry, you know, I can't fast and pray. You know, that's, that's just too hard for me. And I, I can't go to that kind of effort. You got another group that's like, I don't care what effort is required. I'm doing it. I don't care how hard it is. I'm not quitting. You know, where else are we going to go? To whom else would we go? Jesus is the only one who has the words of life. There is no other option. We either follow the Lord or we perish. And when the Lord says jump, we say how high. That's the attitude of the diligent, brethren. But the wise will learn from the example of the fool. Solomon received instruction by the things he saw. The ridiculous folly of the slacker who, when he should be working, lies in his bed sleeping. He's dulled and stupefied and made good for nothing. And of certainty, misery will accompany him. His poverty will come, even as an armed man, to strip him of all he has. And there's a spiritual poverty that comes as well, in the form of an armed adversary. This game we call life is for real. And this hour that we call the last days is for all the marbles, people. This is put up or show up or forget about it time. There's no more talking. We're entering into these events. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just preaching to myself tonight or I'm not sure for whom I'm bringing this message, but I'm... I hope and pray that it's an encouragement to every one of us that we got to dig down deep. Brother, I, uh, for one, am feeling convicted tonight. I'll tell you. I've got some weeds. It's going to take a chainsaw. <laughs> well, that's okay. Get a sledgehammer and a, and a chisel out and just start <laughs> pounding. You yeah. know what I mean? Because <laughs> you will prevail. You will prevail. You know, this attitude of the overcomer applies to to all dimensions of our life. You know, not only our worldly occupations, but our spiritual condition. And the slothful, it is scandalous how they've behaved. And they are injurious, not only to themselves, but to their families, and to their own souls, and to the souls of those they're responsible for. We live in a time where people do not take responsibility. We've got a government that, that is built upon not being responsible. You know, they, they call it, you know, we've got to share, you know, we need social justice. We need to take from those that are producing and give to those that are slothful. You know, the Bible says if a man will not work, do not let him eat. God is not a socialist. I don't know if our listeners are aware of that or not, but the scriptures are very clearly advocating private property rights, 
and personal responsibility. And now, there's a special class of people that the Scripture calls the poor, and what it's referring to is widows and orphans. And within that class are people who are incapable of fending for themselves. And the Scripture is very clear that we, the people of God, are required by the Lord to provide for the welfare of the widows and the orphans that are among us because Amen. they are utterly incapable of providing for themselves. But that is not the same for a grown man who simply doesn't want to work or doesn't want to work that hard. i got to tell you, brothers and sisters, the amount of work that you put into something is directly correlated to the amount of benefit or production that comes out the other side. If you work modestly, you will produce modestly. If you work exceptionally hard, you will reap exceptional profit or produce. There is no substitute. We live in a time where truth has been so twisted up, Shannon, that even the concept of how the Lord blesses us is misunderstood. You know, you've got that false church from Shinar that we talked about previously, and it's full of false teachings. And one of the false teachings is that if you give your money to the false prophet and to the false church in Shinar, that then you will get this blessing a hundredfold, a thousandfold, and it'll just simply fall out of heaven and you know drop in your lap or it'll end up in your mailbox. Out of the blue, someone will just simply send you a bunch of money. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. It doesn't really work that way. It's actually a big lie. The way the Lord blesses a man is by prospering him in the things he does. You've got a business, God blesses that business. You work hard, God brings favor and success through the work of your hands. You work hard in your garden, the Lord causes it to rain, causes the sun to shine on your crops, and you bring forth fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. But in this twisted hour, people believe in this... this, um, almost a pyramid scheme where if I put the thousand dollars into the into that casino church in Shinar, at some point my number's gonna come up and I'm gonna get the hundred thousand dollar reward. But it's such obviously it's so obviously false because if it were really true that it worked that way, then those evangelists flying those Lear jets, they would be giving the money to you. Amen. So Preach they it. could get the thousand to one payoff. That's right. But that's not how it works. And you want to know why? It's really quite simple, brothers and sisters. Because the Lord does things according to righteousness. And if God were to simply print up a bunch of money like the Fed is doing and drop it from a helicopter like Ben Bernanke is doing, that would be counterfeiting. That would be unrighteous. 
Because that process, which we call quantitative easing, which is really counterfeiting, which is really just printing money, is actually the devaluation of all the money owned by everyone else. So it's a form of theft. And it is altogether unrighteous. So the Lord is not going to engage in unrighteous means in order to bless his people. That whole concept, in order for wealth to be given to you, it's got to come from someone else. And if it doesn't come in an exchange of equal value, then someone has been injured. The way the Lord blesses and prospers a man is he increases the value of what the man does. And so the man can then exchange the value of his personal efforts in the marketplace in a fair and righteous transaction with others and receive a larger and larger reward. But this pyramid scheme, which is really the way our government is run and the way the church in Shinar's designed is in fact unrighteous and not even true. You follow me in that, Shannon? I mean, would I... Amen, brother. You know what? That's exactly uh, the church in Shinar. I call it it's the church in America right now. You know, they're training these uh, people in Bible school to go out and create MLMs. Right. It's it's a it's a pyramid. It's a travesty. It's a pyramid scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. If you give a thousand, you know, then eventually you'll get at the top of the pyramid, and someone's going to give you, you know, the ten thousand. Brother, the only person that wins out of that one is the guy at the top. I've been involved I, in five, and I never made any money. No, of course <laughs> not. You can't. I've got a good friend, uh, dear brother Nate, and his parents, his father and mother, were pastors, and they got caught up in this. Claim it, name it, false prosperity, deception of the Shinar movement. Yes. Forty years ago, when it first came out. Wow. And their entire life, they were in, you know, my friend Nate was a real little kid at the time, and, you know, his parents were in their 30s, and they were believing it. They were putting their money, you know, sending their money to the man with the Learjet. And they were believing, you know. They were, they had the faith. And they used to go out on the weekends, and they'd look at million-dollar homes. One day, God's going to give us one of these. We're believing, you know. Forty years later, they're still waiting. Now they're buying lottery tickets. God have mercy. And, you know, the gambling is not scriptural, folks. You know, no, it's a spirit. It's not of the Lord. That's right. God doesn't use the lottery. The scripture actually says riches won hastily are actually a curse. It's a spirit of chance. It's a demon. Well, it is. Not only that, but if it's, it, it doesn't bring a blessing. It brings nothing but trouble. But 40 years later, the, this man, my friend Nate's parents, are still waiting. They're living in poverty. They've been in poverty for 40 years. They're living with their daughter in a two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> they're, they're in absolute poverty. They've been in poverty their entire life. They've been believing a scam. Because, see, the Lord doesn't prosper you based on deception. Nor does the slothful bring a blessing. You can't be slothful and not be diligent and not be hardworking 
and expect to prosper financially in the world, nor can you act like that and expect to prosper spiritually. You have to become the diligent if you want the reward of the diligent. And we live in a time where people don't want to take responsibility for their own anointing. Our souls are fields and vineyards that we are responsible for. We are charged with uprooting the thorns and the nettles. We are charged with repenting of the lust and the covetousness. We've got to remove the rocks. We've got to break up the fallow ground. We have to circumcise our hearts. We've got to do all these things. But in the case of the sinner who is in bondage to his own slothfulness, which itself is a sin, the opposite of the slothful is the righteous. Okay? I mean, what could be clearer? God's attitude towards lazy, idle people contrasts them with the righteous. And to the slothful, we're told, they're void of understanding. They are ignorant. They are deceived. They understand neither their business nor what is in their spiritual interest. And this is an issue that rises to the level of the ruin of their soul. People go to hell because they were too lazy to do the deeds of the kingdom. They were too lazy to close the door to the devil. They were too lazy to do the work to pull the rocks out of the soil of their heart. They were too lazy to uproot the weeds. They were too lazy to break the fallow ground so the seed, the true seed, which is the word of God, could get into the good soil. They were too lazy. To the slothful is the eternal judgment. For the slothful will find themselves in the place assigned to the wicked. This is a very, very serious issue. And you remember, one of the attributes is courageous. The slothful lack courage. They're fearful. Not faithful. It takes courage to confess your sin. It takes courage to look at your sin. To honestly look at the sin. It takes courage. It takes faith. It takes diligence. The soul of the slothful desires, but he has nothing. Those who are slothful have nothing. They have no spiritual reward. They've got no blessing in the natural. They've got nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat, rich, full, prosperous. See a man that is diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. Yeah, that's right. You become diligent in your affairs. You become diligent regarding the scriptures. You become diligent. 
you know, I've had the opportunity to speak around the country and be met a lot of people. I've heard a lot of people give comments about Scripture. And uh, i got to tell you, a great majority of the time, what I perceive is incredible, poor scholarship in the Word. People ask questions that reveal an absolute void in any understanding of the Scripture. And how is that? Why, why is there such poor scholarship? Because people are slothful. They read the Bible as if it were the TV guide, just perusing it carefully. The Lord yeah. told us to diligently study, to show yourself approved. He meant hard work. Yes. This is a serious effort that's required. You don't just flip a few verses, oh, okay, you know. Yeah, I read a couple verses today. I call it poor scholarship, and it's the reason all the false doctrines were able to come into the church, because the church does not know the Word of God, because they didn't study the Word. Even though they were told to study to show yourself approved, no, 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 no. That takes too much work. You know, it turns out the kingdom of God took some effort. Yes, I know you got forgiven by grace. It's through God's grace that you were shown mercy. But now that you've been forgiven, now begins the work. Even as Israel, in the natural, entering the promised land, driving out the enemies, and taking the promised land, was a picture of what we have to do spiritually. It took effort. You had to show up, and you had to put out the effort. The slothful would never have entered the land. They die in the wilderness, lacking the courage and the faith to believe the Lord, to actually go and engage the enemy in the battle. And Shannon, you've you've done some battling with the enemy. It's hard work, isn't it? Brother, it's hard work, and there's a lot of backlash. <laughs> yes, there is. You don't it's strike a real uh, war. Exactly right. You don't fire a shot to the enemy and. I expect to get uh, shot fired back at you. There's casualties out there, folks. We see them every day. I was talking to a, a brother pre-show, Benjamin, and he was just telling me some of the uh, the attacks that are, are coming up there uh, since he started to do more ministry over the radio with us. And um, and he's uh, he said, "I've got to fast. I need some <laughs> I need some breakthroughs. You know, the enemy is hitting us hard." Yeah. Well, you know, that's good, because if you're not being attacked, folks, that's probably uh, a sign that you're not a threat to the enemy. You know, it's like the lady who's 90 years old. Well, you know, I've never come under any attacks. Praise God. Turned out she'd never done anything for the Lord. Right. She was just content sitting there as a slacker. And, uh, you know, we've got to be diligent about uh, the Lord's work, about our own work. We've got to study to show ourselves approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, Second Timothy two fifteen, and uh, we're at the top of the hour, Benjamin. Let's take a just a short five minute break and then bring bring you back on. If uh, you're just tuning in, folks, we've got Benjamin Brook on today. His website is benjaminbrook.com. That's spelled B A R U C H. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, a number of years ago, Benjamin wrote a book called The Day of the Lord Is at Hand. 
And uh, you can find that up on Amazon. I've also got a link here on our show notes in the chat room. And uh, if you have not read that book, folks, it is an annoying book. And I would encourage you to go over and get a copy. Uh, I understand, Benjamin, that um, uh, people who were to order that, they would get a copy of a DVD version um, of a talk you did? Yeah, if they go on Amazon, um, I'm actually offering the book through what's called uh, Prophecy Books. And um, in addition to the book, I'm also sending a copy of the two-hour DVD when I went on a book tour. Praise and, uh, God, yes. And also, um, I've done a 2011 update to bring the book really current in terms of where we're at in the prophetic timing. So um, trying to equip the saints with the knowledge of, of the time that we're in, because it's we're in the final hour now. Folks, we are... Final hour, yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> you, you can start to see the finish line. It's not far off now, but we've, we can't give up and we can't fall short. We've got to endure, and we've got to continue to occupy, and we're going to be right back after this short break with Benjamin Brook. Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, we put you on notice. We bind you, you wicked power. We come against you from the third heaven. I'm seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, high above you, high above principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, high above world rulers, kings, princes, and every angelic rank. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we rebuke and bind you, and especially we bind you concerning the lives, the minds, and the bodies of these people who stand here. We rebuke you and every foul spirit that may still have a resting place somewhere in their uh, innermost being. We bind them. For these people have heard the call of God to dedicate and consecrate themselves to God, and you must flee and your host must be defeated utterly. We come against you in the name of Jesus Christ, and we bind every foul and wicked spirit that would bind body, mind, soul, any area of their life to keep it from being effective for the Lord. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you and we loose on these people the spirits of power, love, sound mind. We loose the spirits of wisdom, revelation. We will loose the spirits of courage. We loose the spirits of power over the enemy. And we loose all the spirits of God to do their office work in and through these people as they go forth. Moreover, we loose the spirit of Elijah to break the power of Jezebel on our land. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you, Lord, uh, to loose the spirit of humility, the spirit of servanthood on everyone here. Let everyone be desirous of taking the place of a servant. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for it. To talk with Omega Man, dial area code 917-889-2745 and press option 1 on your phone. To listen live to Omega Man Radio from your cell phone, dial 917-889-2745. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Omega Man Radio with Shannon Davis. All right, my friends, and I'm back. We're going to bring... Special friend back on, Benjamin Baruch. If you're just tuning in, what a great word this has been tonight. And uh, this is going to be available on the MP3 here at the conclusion of tonight's program. Benjamin, are you back with me? I am. Praise the Lord. Uh, We have some calls starting to line up. Would you like to take a call? Uh, Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Let's take a caller from area code 586. 
You're on the air with Benjamin Brooke. Hello. Hey there. Yes, I'm here. Um, I just got your number um, from a lady named Shannon from Oklahoma, and I was calling in. I don't have a computer, so um, she informed me exactly what you're all about, um, uh, Mr. Davis. Um, I live in the state of Michigan, and I am really going through some problems. Um, One of my relatives, my nephew, he has been going through deliverance, and we're out of a deliverance minister, and the deliverance minister left to go to Washington for work, and we need help, and I'm trying to find him a deliverance minister. He's been, 40-some demons has already been casted out, and of him, and now the strong man has rose up, and we were dealing with altars along with the demons. And I cannot find anybody in the state of Michigan to help us out. And that's why I was calling you. Can you please help us out with some names and numbers or tell me where to go to get the names and numbers? Well, it would be an honor and a pleasure to help you. That's what uh, this program is about. Here's what I would like you to do. Uh, I'm going to give you my personal email. Email me with your name and phone number, and uh, I'll get a list together, and we'll contact you in about the next 24 hours. In fact, um, even if they can't make it up to one of the local churches, we can do some ministry with them over the phone. That's what we do. And uh, in the next hour, we're going to be doing a um, live deliverance program, so you may want to actually even have them tune in and call in if they can, and we'll even pray with them tonight if they'd like to. But, unfortunately, uh, I don't have a computer. Unfortunately, I don't. You won't have to. Okay. Um, let's see. You don't have a computer to email me. Then um, tell you what I'll do. No. Let me see here. Well, you're on. Uh, you're on international radio, so I don't want to um, have you compromise your privacy. Do you have someone that can uh, pass your number over to me? Yes, I do. Okay. Let me give you my email address. Sure. And, and then uh, what I'll do is uh, I'll call you back and we'll give you that information. Um, sure. It would be simply Omega Man Radio. Uh huh. At yahoo.com. O m e g a m a n Radio at yahoo.com. Uh huh. And uh, then I can get a, a list together. And of course, uh, if you want to take this number and pass it out uh, to the people that need some help, uh, you can have them call at the same number, the nine one seven. Okay, I greatly appreciate it. Like I said, he's been getting um, deliverance from a gentleman that he took some training with Bob Larson, one of Bob Larson's, um, he self-taught himself, ministers, and he's been dealing with altars and the demons, and uh, sorry to say, but unfortunately there's not too many people out there that knows how to deal with the demons and altars and things like this, D.I.D., and it's just it's it's sad because we live in a state that the churches actually don't believe in the demons. Well, they don't. They don't believe a Christian can have a demon. They uh, don't even know what you're talking about when you say what about, what of the one third of Jesus' ministry, the children's bread. You know, right. their jaws drop open. Uh, they don't know how to deal with that. It's unfortunate, but uh, you know, God is raising up an end time army of people that uh, are not afraid to come up against the enemy and cast them out in Jesus' name. And uh, for the next three hours, starting at 8 tonight, we're going to be doing live deliverance. So if you are able to contact them, have them call in. We'll even pray with them tonight. Okay, I'll see what I can do. But 
I don't know if I would be able to do that. My name is Loretta. I'm not afraid to give that over the, the airways, Loretta Allen. So okay. if you, in other words, if um, when the person, I'll be contacting the person right after I hang up from you to email you, and then you can have that. Perfect. And I'll, I'll make sure I contact you personally, and we'll give you the information you're looking for. God okay. bless you, Loretta. Thank you very much. God bless Thanks you, too. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. 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 And if you'd like to speak to Benjamin tonight, the number is 917-889-2745. Benjamin, let me give you the microphone back, brother. All right. Well, uh, let's see here. Just want to touch briefly on the Lord's mentioning of this issue in uh, the New Testament. In Matthew 25, verse 26, we read, The Lord answered and said, You wicked and slothful servant. And so the Lord groups slothful together with the wicked. And in Matthew 25, verse 30, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. And the word for unprofitable translates useless or unmeritous, the servant that did nothing, the servant that was slothful, lazy idol. Hebrews 6, verse 11, show the same diligence to the full assurance of the hope unto the end. Show your diligence, eagerness, carefulness, haste, earnestness. Hebrews 6, verse 12, be ye not slothful, and in the Greek, it's nothros, sluggish, lazy, stupid, dull. But be a follower of those who through faith inherited the promise. Again, slothful is a type of unbelief. Second um, Corinthians 5, verse 9. We labor that we may be accepted of him. And the word for labor in the Greek means striving, studying, eager, not slothful, but diligent and laboring that we may be acceptable to the Lord. Colossians 1, verse 29, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. I labor. The word means to feel fatigued, to work hard, to toil, to be weary, Paul was diligent to the point of fatigue, striving. The word is agonizomi, and we get the word agonize. I agonize, I struggle, I compete, I contend, I fight, I labor fervently, I strive. This is all diligence, all effort, everything into it. Paul said, I labor and I compete and I agonize according to his work, which works in me. Now, there's another clue about the eternal covenant. I don't know how many of you uh, recall the homework assignment. Um, It's still on your list. And I'm going to give you a few clues as we get closer and closer to discussing the eternal covenant because it's very important that we all understand and learn the true meaning of the eternal covenant. But that's one of the clues, is we labor and we strive 
according to his working in us. Hebrews 4.11, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Again, the word for labor means prompt, diligence, endeavor, study and labor hard. Make it a point of hard, intense focus that you enter into his rest. And Jesus' words himself in Revelation, chapter 2, verse 2, I know your work and your labor and your patience, how you cannot bear those that are evil. And you've tried those that said they were apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be liars. Actually, we found them to be false teachers from that church in Shinar. But that's just another detail. We found them to be liars. I know thy works. The word for works is ergon, and it means to toil, your deeds, your labors. The Lord is saying, I know your deeds. He's speaking to the diligent ones, not the slothful, not the wicked, not the unbelievers who won't lift a finger. He's talking to the ones who labor. I know your works and thy labor. And the word for labor is culpus. It means to cut, to toil. Literally, figuratively, pain, trouble, weariness. And thy patience. And the word for patience means hopeful endurance. Enduring. Continuance. Waiting. I know your labor. I know your pain. I know your trouble and your weariness as you patiently endure and continue and you labor and strive for the kingdom. And verse 3, And you've borne and have had patience for my namesake, and you've labored, you've worked, you've been diligent, and you've not fainted. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. So the Lord's brought a correction in Revelation 2. But at the same time, he's acknowledging and giving them credit for, you guys are diligent. You're working. You're laboring. You're striving. You're to the point of pain. You're weary. This is an intense commitment that the Lord's looking for. Not a when convenient faith. Civilian faith. Well, you know, if I'm not too busy, if there's nothing else, maybe I'll seek the Lord, you know, if I've got time. Versus with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Revelation 2 5. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen and repent and do the first works. Again, the Lord's saying, go back and do the work you did at the beginning. Not the slothful, but the diligent. Verse 7, to him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of my God. And the word for overcome is to conquer, to prevail, to get the victory, to conquest, to have success. Luke thirteen twenty four. strive to enter the straight gate. For many, I say, will seek to enter and will not be able. Notice the difference. The diligent are striving to enter. And again, it's that word agonizeo, and it means to agonize, to struggle, to compete, to endeavor, to fight, to labor, laboring fervently 
to enter in. Those are the diligent. You give it whatever is required. You don't look at the task and go, well, you know, that's a little too hard. I wasn't planning on working that hard. But notice the others. They merely seek to enter. That word means desire. They require. They inquire. You know, they're interested in entering in. You know, they look into it a little. The thought occurs to them, maybe they might want to enter in. But, you know, that's about as far as it goes. I looked into that narrow way thing at one point, you know. I thought about it. Compare that to those that are agonizing. Okay, that's the difference between those that are being saved and those that are going to perish on that day. The many that the Lord is going to say, I never knew you. Yeah, but we, you know, we, uh, we thought about entering in. We thought we knew you. Yeah, well, you thought wrong. The ones that really know the Lord are agonizing, striving through the straight gate. And it's the place of a contest, an effort of anxiety, a fight. This entering in is a fight. The Lord told us in Matthew verse, chapter 7, verse 13, Enter by the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go therein. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. The word for straight... Um, means narrow with obstacles standing close around it. Straight is the gate, but it's got obstacles. And the word for gate means it's pule, and it means the entrance, or figuratively, the gate. It's very straight, it's very narrow, and there's obstacles. And narrow is the way. The word for narrow means suffering, tribulation, trouble, affliction. And the, the word for way means the road, the journey. Straight is the gate. The entrance to the kingdom of life is very narrow. It's got obstacles in the way. And this journey, the true journey that leads to life, is one of suffering and affliction and trouble. And you are going to have to resist and strive and struggle and agonize and be diligent. And if you are slothful about your salvation, just kind of, well, you know, I don't want to work that hard, then your way is the broad way, which leads to destruction. And you will be comforted by the many that are with you, the vast majority taking the easy way, passing by the cross and going the way that seems right in their eyes, putting forth a little effort. They, you know, they, they seek to enter, but they don't strive to enter. They desire to enter. They inquire, you know, hey, I do a Google search, see if I can find the narrow way, but when I don't find it on the first page, I give up. When, when I realize it's going to require real effort because there's obstacles, I abandon the effort, and I give up, because I wasn't interested in agonizing. I was just interested in inquiring. Few there be 
that find it. And the word for few is very small, puny in number, actually is the definition in the Greek. Whereas the many who go the easier way, the word for many is polis, and it means much, many, often, most, largest, abundant, altogether, most common, plenteous, the vast majority See, the vast majority of people who proclaim the name of Jesus, many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Because they are not striving to enter through the narrow gate. They're merely seeking to enter in. They're looking for an easier way. And there is an easy way. You can join the church in Shinar. There's a thousand copies. They'll teach you anything from Hinduism to Brahmism to the Kundalini Yoga spirit. You can go any way you want. You just aren't going to go the King's Highway. You're going to find out you were actually being driven by the butcher to the slaughterhouse. And many on that day will be slain. This issue of slothful versus diligent is the issue of our salvation. It is the issue of our life. You know, the many go down the broad road because it's more attractive. What allures the multitude and keeps them on the broad road is the fact that it is so wide. It is so broad. There is room for many, many travelers, many different interpretations, many convictions, many versions of the gospel. All the cults are there. All the false religions are there. And all the apostate churches from Shinar are there. The Pharisees were there. And their descendants stand there today. All of the world is there. All of the multitude that are perishing are there. And why? Why are they so comfortable on the broad road? First, they have an abundance of liberty in that way. That gate is wide. It stands wide open to tempt those who would go on whatever they decide. And you can go in this gate with your lust about you. You don't have to repent. You don't have to agonize. You don't have the dark night of the soul. You can keep your sin and have salvation too. There's no check to your lust. There's no correction to your character. There's no condemnation from the spirit of your sin. There's no mourning and weeping. The world rejoices, and those on the broad road, they rejoice as well. There's no fasting required. You can feast and fill your belly full of its sin. You can serve the God of your passion and have salvation in your imagination as you trod down the wide road to ruin. You walk in the way that seems right in your heart and to the way that seems right in your own eyes. And it's confirmed by the many that are with you, for it's the broad way. There's nothing there to hedge you in, no obstacle to avoid. You can wander endlessly in either direction, for it's a broad way. There are many paths within. There's the choice of whatever sinful way you choose. Contrary to one another, but all the paths lead to the same end. 
And there's great comfort on the Broadway. First of all, there's no persecution there. You have the abundance and the company of the world. There are many that go with you through that gate, and they walk in that way. Following the multitude, they call evil good and good evil. In that crowd, you're going the wrong way. But it's the natural way. It's the easy way. The slothful and the sluggards find their ease on the broad way. It is no great demand. There are no great demands placed upon you. There's no striving. There's no agony. You simply gradually go downhill on the road to hell. There's no cross to confront you, no death to the flesh demanded of you, because you're not going to heaven with us, the small little flock. You are among the many who are perishing, and there is no caution in the wind. That which should frighten you actually leads you further on to destruction. Death, an eternal death, is at the end of this road. And all the way, the power of sin enticing and ensnaring you till the end in everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. Whether it be the highway of open blasphemy and profanity or the backside with its closed hypocrisy, it is the way of sin it is the way of ruin, and it will be the ruin of many if they repent not. It is the exact opposite of the way of holiness. And in the way of holiness, you are constrained. You must pass through a gate that is straight. Conversion and repentance are required to pass through that gate. And it is the only way in. And you must go through the cross. You must go through Jesus, who is the door, who is the gate, in order to begin the true life in him and begin to be conformed to true godliness, coming out of the state of sin and unbelief and slothfulness into the state of grace, but in the state of determination to righteousness. We are born again. It is a straight gate because it's hard to find and harder still to get through like a passage between two rocks. Not only must there be a new heart and a new spirit, but the old things must be done away. That which bent and corrupted the soul must be changed and must be discarded. Old habits that corrupted must be forsaken. Old customs broken off. What we've been doing all of our days must be undone. We must swim against the stream. We will labor against the tide. There will be much opposition to struggle through. Much resistance from the evil one. Condemnation and mocking and ridicule and persecution from without in the world and from within in the church. Isn't it clear to see why the slothful and the sluggard cannot enter in? Only those who are diligent and determined to pay whatever cost is required can tread the ancient path, which is the narrow way that leads to life. 
it is easier to set a man against all of the world than to set a man against himself. And yet, this is what must be at conversion. For in the straight gate, we must stoop, or we, can enter, we cannot enter in at all. We must become like little children. Our high thoughts must be brought down. We must, in fact, deny ourselves and put off the world, putting off the carnal mind, putting off the old nature, and be willing to forsake all for the sake of winning Christ. The gate is straight. Blessed of God, it is not shut, nor is it locked, but it will be shortly. Second, this way is narrow. It is defined as a narrow way because self must be denied. The body brought under control. Corruptions mortified. If your eye tempts you, pluck it out. Daily temptation must be resisted. Your duties to do what is right must be followed, and resisting what is wrong must be to the death. It requires the exercise of due diligence at all times. You must endure the hardness of the rejection of the world. You must wrestle and be in agony to overcome your flesh. You must watch in all things and walk with care and circumspection. And you must pass through much tribulation on the road to the kingdom. You will be afflicted and hedged about with thorns, but God will be with you. But only the diligent can walk therein. Those that are slothful, who prefer their ease, will turn away at the first sign of difficulty. The gate is so straight and the way so narrow it is not strange that there are only a few who find it, and even fewer who choose it. Many pass it by through their carelessness. Others look upon it but shun it, not willing to be so limited and constrained. For those that are actually going to heaven are but a few, compared to the vast hordes of humanity who are marching to an eternal hell. The remnant, the true chosen of the Father, are a little flock, like the gleanings in the vineyard, or the eight that were saved in the ark. What discourages so many is that it's a solitary walk. But instead of stumbling, we walk on. Even though we are but a few, we must press on. No matter the cost, we must press on. And we are led to the cross, to the end of all that is of the flesh. And we are required at times to put away our comfort for the precious prize of seeking the true heart of God. We are required to repent and humble ourselves that we may be exalted in due time. We are required by the Lord to fast and to pray and to repent and to forsake the entertainment of this hour and to crucify the desires of our flesh in order to receive the true desires of the kingdom. Yes, the gate is straight, and the way is indeed narrow and uphill. But the prize of heaven and the prize of Jesus makes all the effort worth it. We were bid to enter in the straight gate, and it is fairly stated that it is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of good or evil.
the choice is set before us. To the diligent, to the obedient, are the rewards of the kingdom. To the slothful, and to the lazy, and to those who are not willing to pay the price, who are not willing to pick up their cross, the wide road is their only other option. Enter in by the straight gate, brothers and sisters. Enter in while there's still time, while the way is still open. Seek him while you may yet find him. Yes, your conversion is hard work. Repentance and humbling yourself is hard work. Seeking the Lord with prayer and fasting is hard work. But it is not impossible if we strive. It is not impossible if we strive. Brother Shannon, appreciate yes, the sir. opportunity to yes, sir. preach the word of truth on your on your Omega Man show. Brothers and sisters, I gotta tell you, this is it, okay? The country is going to collapse this summer. We know that from multitudes of sources. It's been confirmed many, many times. This summer is the end of the judgment on the... What was the phrase? The fortress of imagination. (laughs) The breaking of the staff of bread. The economy. Brothers and sisters, the Lord began the judgment of this earth with the economy. With the dollar. But that's only the first judgment. That judgment is going to be brought to completion this year, and the second judgment is ready to begin. And you are not ready for the second judgment. Because the second judgment is the wild beasts that are coming into the land. This is from Ezekiel 14, and this is by the Spirit. You test me in this, brothers and sisters. You get your... um, your Hebrew dictionary out. You test me in this. You go see if it not be so. The Lord says, first judgment that he brings forth is breaking the staff of bread, sending famine upon the land. That's the economic collapse. But the second judgment is noisome beasts. Ezekiel 14, verse 15. I will cause noisome beasts to pass through the land and spoil it so that it may be desolate, and so that no man may pass through because of the wild beasts. Okay? There'll be no more free passage in the land. No more just driving around on the highways. No, the interstates will be closed because of the wild beasts. Okay? The noisome, the word for noisome is ra-ah, and it means evil. All right? Evil beasts are coming. And the word for beast actually translates a company of men. Troops. Oh, I get it. An evil company of troops are coming. Oh, that'll be good. That'll bring the people to repentance quickly. Oh, yeah. When the judgment is in the earth, the people will learn righteousness. And righteousness is coming, brothers and sisters, quickly. When the evil company of troops come and they 
pass through the land and spoil it. Ezekiel 14, verse 15. And they spoil it. The word for spoil it is shakol. And it means to lose children. I'm serious. When the evil troops come, they're going to take your children. Okay? You with me so far? It means to suffer abortion, to be bereaved of children, to lose your children, to destroy the children, to rob of children. The evil company of men are coming, and they're going to pass through your land, and they're going to take your children so that the land shall become desolate. It means an astonishment. And so that no man may pass through. There'll be no more free traveling. No, no. You're going to be locked down. Are you understanding me? The lockdown is coming because of the beast, because of the evil company of men, because of the evil troops. They're going to separate families, They're going to take your freedom. They're going to take your children. And this is coming later this year. I think it is time we got diligent about the Word of God. That we diligently sought the Lord. The the Lord called and said... I believe it was in Ezekiel. And um, he said, go and set a watchman. Go and set a watchman. And the prophet responded and said, I hearkened with much diligence. I was in my ward all night. I stood on the watchtower all day. These are people who are responding with much diligence, they are responding with everything they got. Brothers and sisters, this is an hour where we we need to respond with everything we got. Not if it's convenient. Not like the slothful. Well, you know, I'm a little tired. I'm going to take a nap. You know, if I wake up and there's enough time, maybe I'll, you know, there's nothing else going on. I might actually even seek the Lord a little. Yeah. Well, God has a way of getting your attention. It's called a noisome company of wild beasts. And they're coming in this land, folks. They're coming in the fall. They're coming after the dollar collapses. They're coming after the next 9-11 occurs. Which, you know, don't look at the fireball. If you're in one of those cities, it'll blind you. Listen, I'm not a prophet. Don't be getting all mad at me. I'm just a watchman, all right? I'm just repeating to you what I've heard. I'm just giving you a little insight. The Lord has called for prayer and fasting in this hour. And I can tell some of you are responding, hallelujah. And I pray 
to my Father who is in heaven, that you would be empowered by his Spirit to continue more and more to the accomplishment of his will and his good purpose in your life to the tearing down of strongholds and to every thought and imagination that would raise itself up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of the will of the Father in your life. Pray that the Lord would empower you to continue. To those who have not yet responded, I would encourage you there is a tremendous blessing in the obedience to the Lord. Did you know that the Lord has never once asked you to do something that was bad for you? Did you know that? I don't know. Maybe you didn't know that, but I'm. let me, let me tell you. Let me help you out here. I know this, and it is true. The Lord has never one time asked you to do something that wasn't good for you. When the Lord commands you to do something, it's because you need to do it. And it's for your blessing. In this hour, brothers and sisters, fasting from food is mandatory and the blessing is tremendous. It is a game changer, spiritually. It's a game changer. If you are struggling with depression or anxiety or fear about what is coming, do the fast. Do the 10 days, minimum. Do the fast with the distilled water and the vegetable extracts. And I, Shannon, I believe you've got a link up somewhere on your website or... Yes, sir. In fact, um, I put a link in the uh, show notes. I'm going to post it here again in a moment. And uh, you can also email me because uh, Benjamin sent me um, a link to it plus an excerpt of the book. And already I had uh, about five, six people that I shot that out to today, Benjamin. So if you all email me, I'll forward that to you, and it'll have the link embedded. It's a free ebook. You can go right over there and read it. Praise God for it. Yeah, the Lord... The Lord really brought that forth, and it's such a blessing. And You know, I, brothers and sisters, i got to tell you guys, if you've never fasted before or if you, if you have tried and it's been hard and you've struggled with fasting, this fast is so powerful. You can do this. Pray. Ask the Lord for strength. And in the first three days, yeah, you'll be hungry. I found, and this is just my experience, Take it for what it's worth. I have found that it's more the lust of eating food. It's more the pleasure of eating food than it is actual hunger that I wrestle with in the first three days. And what I find most effective, there will be times your flesh will be screaming at you, especially if you're like preparing dinner for your spouse while you're fasting. Your flesh will be yelling at you, and you respond. You answer your flesh, and you tell it, Flesh, you've been crucified with Christ. You are now dead. You have no right to an opinion, and I don't want to hear from you. 
Get back in the ground. Get back in the grave. You are not going to tell me what to do. You are my servant, and I will command you. And then, after you've told your flesh to shut up, and your flesh will respond. You have the authority. You have the spiritual authority over your flesh. The Lord gave it to you. Exercise it. Then go into your prayer closet and pray, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give me this day my daily bread. Give me the living bread, Father. The only bread I have to eat is the living manna that comes from you. If you don't feed me, then I'm not eating today. Because I don't live by the bread of the flesh, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You go and ask your Heavenly Father for living manna, and you watch what happens. You will be very excited, brothers and sisters, because the Lord will respond. And it's powerful. And if you've been, or you know someone who's struggling with depression or anxiety or fear, this fast is a game changer. It'll break it off of you. Or if you're struggling with that slothful attitude, you're just kind of lazy. You're not on fire. You're not fervent. You are not in the place of your first love. This fast is a game changer. It'll put to death the mind of the flesh. It'll set you free in the spirit and a light and an anointing under you and quite simply it's obedience to the command of the lord in this hour and whenever we obey the lord it comes we also receive a blessing so i would just encourage all of you now if someone has a medical condition certain people medically cannot physically fast so they believe if that's your state then do the Daniel fast of just eating vegetables and fruit and forsake the cookies and the cakes and the breads and the meats and eat the healthy green vegetables for three weeks. That will prove an effective fast as well. But, brothers and sisters, while you're fasting, you must also sanctify the time. Turn off the entertainment from Babylon. Get into the worship of the Lord prayer, seeking his face, studying the word, and encourage yourself among your family and friends. Encourage each other with psalms and scriptures, and then seek his face with all your heart. Because that's really all we can do right now, brothers and sisters. I'm not kidding you about the transition in the judgments coming later this year. Now, could I be wrong? Sure. Okay. Great. Maybe it's not this fall. Maybe it's this next winter. Okay, I'm off by three months. What does it matter? Whether I'm, it's this fall or next winter, we got hard, hard times coming, dead, uh, head. You know, why even debate the when? Whatever the timing that's left, we should redeem it to get ready. Yes. Because only a small remnant's going to be preserved in this thing. Most of us are going to get purified in a fire that's so hot you can't even imagine it. Um, you know, so... And then when I, we uh, think I, uh, our big issues now, we realize, man, they didn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> they were petty. They were petty. You mean when the our car didn't is, start? Those kind of things? 
Yes. <laughs> Somebody gave you a door ding. <laughs> Someone hurt my feelings. Oh, yeah. Something petty. Yeah. Um, yeah. we got to forgive, folks, and we've got to uh, sanctify fast and get serious. Benjamin, it was, uh, it was an awesome word of the Lord tonight, brother. Thank you for coming on, and I look forward to having you back on next week. And uh, give out your contact information in the minute. Well, um, the website's benjaminbrook.com, and, uh, you know, if people want to uh, read the book, you can find it under Prophecy Books on Amazon.com. And, um, you know, and if you can't afford the book, and I mean you literally cannot afford the book, I do ship the book for free at my cost. Um, you know, I got a letter once from an 8-year-old boy. Maybe he was 12. I'm not remembering exactly right. But he basically wrote me and said, you know, my dad's an alcoholic. We live in the car. We lost our house. My dad has no job. We don't have much money for food. I can't ask my dad for money for a book about the Bible. He'll beat me up. But I want to read your book. God, have mercy. Wow. So I sent that young boy a book by Priority Mail. <laughs> I'm sure his father was like, what in the world? How's my 12-year-old kid getting a Priority Mail envelope? <laughs> and, <laughs> So if you are in a position where you cannot afford to pay for this book, um, Shannon, would you mind if they wrote you? And, um, you know, we, we do pray over these requests, uh, and we, we then respond based on the direction of the Spirit. Amen. Uh, you know, the book definitely costs us money to put out, uh, you know, but to those who are in real need, uh, we absolutely share for free. Praise the Lord. God, I will do that. Uh, God bless you for coming on tonight, Benjamin. Oh, well, it's always the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much. And, and to all of our listeners, you know, the Lord be with you. Be encouraged. You know, just do the things the Lord's asking us to do, and we're going to be okay. Amen. But be, be like the diligent. Be the Berean in this hour. You know, rebuke that slothful spirit. And that came right out of hell to disarm and disable us. And we don't need that in the camp of the Most High. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Folks, that was Benjamin Brook. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with him, email me, and I will forward your message to him. I would encourage you to get a copy of his book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. It's available up on Amazon. Um, and when you order that from him, he'll send you a copy of um, the book autographed and also uh, a DVD, and a new uh, update to that book. God bless everyone, and I'll see you back here in about two minutes. Uh, refresh your browsers, folks. Thank you.